Hello, this is Billy Moon. Thanks for tuning into my podcast. It's 2022 already, season three. As COVID stays in our lives, I missed talking and learning from other creatives. And I discovered a newfound hobby of connecting people to other people to get close to their dreams. So bear with my interview skills, if any, and dive into the stills of life. Are you ready? Let's go. I was just like doing whatever research I can. And I read all the articles that are about you and stuff. So I'm not going to make you like repeat like your whole like journey again, unless unless you really want to, because I figured you might be tired of that. I'm happy to summarize my overall journey. <laughs> okay. Uh, When's the last time you've been to Australia since oh, you left? Australia, I haven't been back there since 2013. So I kind of left... Uh, I don't know if that's in the articles, but uh, I had a wild house fire burn down uh, that set me on a, on a new journey in life. Okay, that's- I did not read about that. You got to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> An actual house fire. An actual house fire. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. 2012, uh, I felt like it's probably time to move on from Australia and uh, did not know how to go about that and told my DJ partner at the time. Mark Egan, uh, that I feel like my, the house is trying to kill me. And that same night, the house tried to kill me by burning down, which you lived out a horror film. Okay. Great. I lived out a horror film. So, uh, so that sent me on a new journey. And then I went traveling to, we closed out a tour. I went to Burning Man, short trip to New York, then landed in Tel Aviv for a year. Yeah. Uh, went back to Australia to see if it kind of feels right. And it didn't. And I haven't been back since in 2013, even though I have a lot of love for that place. Um, Did you carry that fear like any habitat you entered might burn down, especially <laughs> in that country? No, to be honest with you, it's actually I was very lucky. Uh, I left. Uh, it was close to being really, really bad, probably by two minutes or so. Um, <sighs> but I left in uh, mostly just emotionally shocked um but yeah. also uh in a freer state uh not having belongings which frees you up uh having a newfound look at every moment of how impactful you know life should and needs to be i was very fortunate that it actually had more of a positive effect on me than than a negative scarring one but um sadly I, yeah i think that's a real mature way of looking at it because you know, sometimes the worst things that happen to you can be great. Glass half full or glass half empty. Uh, I'm generally an optimist. Um, you but are. I, also, I was I was lucky. I was very lucky. No one died yeah. from that fire. No, just lost okay. all my belongings and had a newfound perspective and went uh, traveling um, and started a new phase in life that, um, you know, ultimately became little cinema. Um, new phase. I mean, I'm looking at you. You're you're a young guy. I mean, you look like you just <laughs> came out of college. What the hell? 40 years old, my friend. 40 years. What? what? Yeah. <laughs> Say that one more time. 40 years young. 1981. Um, wow, me too. <laughs> but why? Why do I look older than you? I don't think Asian? you do. I don't think you do. Uh, I don't think you do. Um, wow, I look just as young. And let's I think- talk about that. What what pills and what drinks are you taking? Because I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of water and happiness, my friend. That's the secret oh, to youth. I gotta tell everybody. Um, 
what you guys do at Little Cinema. I had no idea that kind of work existed. Um, I was very ignorant before I even looked you guys up. And because um, at first glance, it kind of looks like a psychedelic party planner. Um, <laughs> but that is part of it. And it makes you think like, oh, yeah, these studios have to hire outsiders to plan to like sell their films and like promote their shows, their pilots, um, uh, concerts, streaming concerts now, um, all that jazz. And you as a outsider, you just assume studios do that themselves, like because they have money and they know people. So but um, this is your specialty. And I was like very, very impressed about like your teamwork and how you choose your teams um, and just you can easily pride yourself on like how you can do it in limited amount of time as well. So I know you started in New York and then, cause I feel that too. I feel this New York uh, kind of fine art style within, within the bigger picture of what you guys are doing. Yeah, no. So tell us you're, you're not a filmmaker really? No, I mean, audio visual DJ, is my background. So I studied multimedia and yeah. I studied multimedia. I had background as a kind of web designer and web developer and motion graphics artist. And then I started DJing uh, and creating audiovisual parties. Um, the psychedelic party planner, by the way, I, I love that. And I'm definitely going to keep that. And the journey really started by taking uh, <laughs> That's your new business. Part. <laughs> I think that's, our site does kind of look like that. Um, our, our, my, my background, my, my background to little cinema started really, uh, around 2008, 2010, um, audiovisual parties were popping in Australia and you had all these DJs that were turntablists, uh, that would take pop culture media, mm-hmm. um, and remix it and create these parties that were very visual, uh, DJs like Sampology, Chiba, Yoda, um, ecstatic. There were, you know, a bunch of these doing this back in the day. And I got really inspired about this kind of pop culture mashup and about creating an emotion between sound and video and that kind of like relationship taken from remix culture. The one thing that I always wanted and never really had in that background was um, a wider network of collaboration, which is a really kind of founding principle of little cinema cross-pollination i'm just creatively interested in just like how you know you take two completely separate things and when you fuse them together you you get the unexpected and the more of these input points the more unexpected spectacles can can happen you touch on an interesting thing of you know hollywood and the party planners and that scene um a big mission that we've had and still have was how do you take that energy of a live event, of a concert, of a party, of you know, an adrenaline rush of people around you, and infuse that into a really static, passive art viewing art form of cinema. The greatest stories ever told, the highest production ever, but your experience as a viewer is generally alone in a living room or in a movie theater viewing this. And we were always interested in how well how do I take this amazing story that has so much to it and add an energy of a live event? Um, and that's always been the kind of lens that we've been trying to, to view things. You know, I think what's been unique about us is 
you have so many different uh, departments and artistic inputs that get fed into making a film. Your art department, your camera department, uh, your acting, your script, like so many of these go in to make the spectacle. And then typically the marketing or the premieres of the events have been very, um, very formulated, very, you know, like let's 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 get a movie theater let's get some executives and some talents to walk the carpet and then to sit and have a more simplified traditional event and our approach was always like well wait a minute how can you actually be another one of these departments servicing the director servicing the story of that filmmaker and trying to capture more of the essence of the film into your journey of having watched a premiere to then walk into an experience that extracts that overall story that you're telling, whether it's Avengers or whether it's, you know, um, an indie film or an anything like that, to really put people into that story world and universe that they just experienced. And we do that by fabricating unique sets. We do that by understanding the world of where the story is told and extending it slightly and having actors and extras, you know, walk around you of being very intentional about also the food and the drink choices and how that gets incorporated into the event and the experience and every bit of small detail, similar to every bit of small detail that went into the making of the film, we generally obsess over in trying to kind of turn this event as much as possible to be a, as close to an art piece or something that really encapsulates, again, this film story narrative uh, and is artistically true to what that is, as opposed to just a standard traditional event. That's really kind of been, I think, our our unique right. uh, unique aspect. And it's not easy. It's <laughs> it adds a lot of work to the event planning process that uh, realistically is probably unnecessary um, in many. Yeah, but, for um, sure. Yeah, we're 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 passionate people, so we like to uh, like like you know like to fuse as much uh, work into it as we can. Do you have a full creative control? Generally, yes. At this point, at this point, our reputation kind of exceeds us, and we get. Uh, booked specifically um, to create these spectacles and we get booked for our thinking process oh, awesome. way of looking things. Um, so there's definitely checks and balances in place. And we work alongside a studio's sure. you know, creative director. A lot of it is based on the time frame, right? So we, we, we pride ourselves in speed and we often get booked to do really fast turnaround jobs. And when some jobs have no time for a timeline, um, and in that case, mm -hmm. we really um, work on the trust that we've built with a lot of our studios and clients. But um, generally, Billy, we work with, uh, you know, a studio's creative director and then whoever kind of oversees their branding and their assets. So to make sure that the fonts and the typography and the messaging and all that kind of stuff is, is on brand. Uh, and, you know, we defer to them to kind of help vet or approve a lot of the creative aspects. Uh, but we generally get given a lot of trust in the detail of how we execute things. Are there, are there other companies like you out there? I think we're unique in our fusion of different disciplines and fusion of different um, art forms and specialty specifically into Hollywood. 
there's a lot of there's a lot of event planning companies. There's a lot of event planning companies that specialize that also work within Hollywood, um, generally servicing um, a more standard event template than we do. We very much specialize in experiential and immersive storytelling, um, and I think that's unique. Um, a similar company that does what we do. On the consumer aspect is Secret Cinema. They're kind of they're pretty big in London. Um, Secret Cinema. They had to use an, another word, cinema, just to spite hey. you guys. No, uh, they were actually there first. They were founded in I think two thousand and four. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, the word cinema just you know helps appropriate the industry that you're in. Uh, but yeah, they, it sells well. Uh, they operate in a very different landscape. So they sell t- So they will license things like Star Wars, or they will license things like Back to the Future. And then they will build these big experiences that you can sell tickets to. Their experiences would be similar in in the sense of, you know, tapping into booking actors, fabricating sets, extending the storyline to the actual viewers of the event. I I don't think they do that many premieres. I think Film events uh, and film spectacles is really where we specialize in. Okay, uh, that's awesome. Because yeah. if I were you, I'd be kind of worried about you know the competition. No, not at all. I think bring it all on. I'm a I'm a very uh, I, I try and I try and spend my time not worrying and and to be as embraceive of extending an art form as possible. To actually feel the more players come in the better it creates a bigger industry it creates a, a bigger bar to no against yeah. no yeah there can only be one <laughs> there can only be one still photographer and that's me <laughs> and that is that <laughs> no but but i hear what you're saying no, in photography maybe in photography maybe there can only be one but yeah. uh, experience yeah, storytelling i think the more the better since the pandemic started, you guys had to like shift your, your style and tactics. Like, and unfortunately most like 99% would have to be streaming, right. For the, for the public view and to uh, sell these films and uh, shows. So what are some of the biggest lessons you learned when you had to like shift direction that way? I think the biggest lesson or, or learning that I had is, um, it's it's if if you look at the fundamentals of thing and you look at people's um, state of mind or you know you look at people's new reality, mm. a lot of you kind of want to draw from a lot of the same things and 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 try and learn on how people adopt and what their new instincts are, rather than you know kind of look at uh, gimmicks uh, or things that are less intentional and. When the pandemic hit, I think one of our biggest realization is cinema is about really high quality to the video player and a really branded, you know, experience of, of, of again, take, tapping into the story of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we were one of the first companies to, to build uh, a really robust virtual cinema um, experience. Guided us, the fundamentals were the video quality has to look amazing. It's got to look better than what it does on the streamer. It's the reason you go to a movie theater is to see something in really great audiovisual quality. So let's make the video player just be 
better than Netflix is or better than an HBO Max or at a higher quality of what you're able to generally get at home. That was one guiding principle. I totally agree. Thank you. The other one was also let's make it beautiful. So when we went into the our immersive and let's make it easy for the viewer, right? A lot of we saw a lot at the time people kind of take on gaming experiences and create all these complex 3D interfaces that people weren't necessarily used to using. So we wanted to say, well, what's the easiest way for just, you know, a person that might not be as technically savvy to be able to use our technology in the platform? What's that kind of one click and I'm in there and I feel safe and I feel good? That simple UI, that simple accessibility to be able to enter our virtual texts and experiences was another one that very much kind of guided us with the assumption that a lot of people that haven't necessarily used computers now need to use this computer to communicate. So let's make that gimmick free, simple, and really easy to log in, easy to access. Yeah. And then the final one was how do you take the essence of the story of what you're trying to tell and put these touches in there. So that was, again, not making the branding about us, but making the branding of the, the site or the microsite or the theater that we were sending people to the events really about the film or the story or whatever we were premiering. So changing the fonts and changing the color scheme and changing the mm. metaphor. When we did Love Life, you know, we built the metaphor to kind of feel like you're in this hand-drawn New York City building uh, and you could jump around different floors in the building. One of them had a DJ. One of them had Paul Fig as a bartender. Uh, so that you could also <laughs> keep having these, you know, story-driven experiences. Um, and speed, we were fast. So we were probably the first one to really figure it out. Um, and that really helped our business scale during the pandemic. Did, did you feel the pressure that if we don't have like a the star of the film inside that you know online premiere that it may not attract well that's a good question i mean i would yeah you're still you know i think people go the the premieres are for a lot of them they are definitely about drawing the star power and getting the press but they're also a celebration for the filmmakers every film has an industry of people that it's their life for so many months that are obsessed over the details so there's that community aspect First of all, we did find, you know, most of the premieres we did, we were able to get the main star, Snowpiercer had Jennifer Conley, you know, record a short video with some opening remarks. So mm -hmm. you were able to get that exclusiveness. Then the other thing that we noticed is at a movie theater, you know, everyone is, is watching with audio coming from the speakers. But when everyone's watching at home, actually having all your friends and filmmakers in the industry in the chat cheering along doesn't interfere with your viewing experience as much. The audio doesn't clash with the audio. So that was one of our first uh, events was for Snowpiercer. And it was kind of, you had the showrunner in there, you know, it was almost like watching it with director's commentary. You know, they were calling out different scenes and different shots and, uh, and shouting out actors in particular scenes. And it was just a really community-based viewing experience. And that was a new one. You know, that's like, you can't have that in a movie theater. You, you can have that virtually. That was like one example where this is a really cool new feature of something that, you know, was never really 
intended to happen other than, you know, if it wasn't for a global pandemic. There's a repeated word of like, based on your little cinema and the interviews you've given of immersive. And I think that really is like the ideal uh, adjective to describe what you guys do, because it's um, in my view, it's, it's very dreamy. It's very um, vicarious as well. And I mean, I just love the narrative. You're bringing the fictional narrative world into the real world for people to dive into. It's as if like VR has become real life. I just think that's fascinating. Now that the pandemic is eased, I mean, I imagine you can't wait to do like in-person stuff. So how is that going to change your mindset? Because you're aiming for in-person stuff, in-person reactions, and you're also streaming to for planning for big screen TVs as well as phones. So you have all these little different mindsets in your director's mind, right? So how do you go about doing all that? Each job is different. I could send you a case study. We actually did a big, um, we're back doing in-person events. Um, awesome. So- yeah, that's been exciting. We're also back doing hybrid events. So taking like a smaller party in person of 50 would just cast crew and then broadcasting out to thousands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're also just doing virtual. Um, so our workload almost doubled as the pandemic eased because I think virtual definitely has its benefits and it's here to stay um, in person. Hey man, everybody wants you. In- <laughs> You're just like, show me the checks. No, no, no. We're 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 selective with the work. Uh, uh, of course, through us. Um, <laughs> but each one, you know, it's it's really about what's right for the job. You know, Netflix, yeah. Netflix uses our tech to broadcast out the scale. So we did, for instance, with Netflix, we did the Bridgerton fan premiere to ten thousand fans, which was very much uh, how do you kind of create global chatter using a good live stream tech. Uh, Meanwhile, Disney Plus had no virtual component and just used this for a giant, you know, red carpet event for Olivia Rodrigo, where we built a kind of um, immersive immersive road trip. So you guys are a hot group of folks. Um, how, How large is your team? About 55 to 75 full time uh, plus full time plus part timers, about 55 on the more full time front. You know, we scale up for in events, you end up with crews of 200 plus people, uh, which come in for the, you know, production. What is the most fulfilling gig? Generally, my mood swings. And I usually say that, the you know, the last always the current job is the best job we've ever done. Uh, Mm. We also do try and compete with ourselves with every job we do. And that started from our early days as a um, DIY art collective, where we ran a new show every week and every show as I've got a plane flying past me, every show uh, as part of um, as part of our philosophy, we had to try something new that we've never done before. And then your vocabulary and creative toolkit just really keeps growing with every show because you try something new each time. So my current favorite is our, you know, Amazon emergency audiovisual party that we're planning as a takeover at the Van Gogh Museum. Last month, my favorite was Olivia Rodrigo uh, project, you know, Olivia Rodrigo driving home to you immersive uh, film premiere we've done. Um, and that kind of keeps changing. Um, 
and I hope it it never stops. Nice. Do you guys think you'll ever like produce your own films? Very good question. I mean, you question. got the talent, you got the tech. We you might want to welcome a new challenge. I don't know. Yeah, honestly, we might end up there. I will say, you know, our our specialty and our uniqueness lies in our ability to take other filmmakers' stories yeah. and tell turn them into amazing live experiences um, and turn cinema that's, you know, a viewing mechanism into a live event. That is our specialty. That is a unique thing that we do. And there are incredible, incredible filmmakers that have spent their entire lives mastering that art form that is so incredibly challenging and difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, but we also work with a lot of filmmakers uh, that come in and help us produce these things. So, you know, I think that would very much be a natural progression and probably one that we take in an interactive way. So if we were ever going to make our own film, we'd probably make our own film that would be designed as a live experience. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I can't quite remember how you guys uh, reached out to me or if I reached out to you guys first, but uh, the first collaboration was um, for Snoop Dogg's um, New Year's Eve live special for TBS. And it was uh, quite a setup, I got to say. So I show up to his compound, first of all, with the, with the black gates of Mordor. For those listening, you should never just go down there. I mean, he's, he's got security, so don't be stupid. And I see this giant swim tank in the parking lot. And, uh, and <laughs> I was like, what is going on? I don't know what the narrative is. But it, it was a it was a great experience, and you know, shooting Snoop, and uh, he's as cloudy as it was around him. Um, he, he's a he's an incredible host on camera. I, I mean, it's like a one take wonder with that guy, and it never felt like he rehearsed it. It felt like he's been doing it forever, which he kind of has. But because I only know him from, like you, we're the same age. I only know him from like movies and his songs. Yeah, that that was fun. Were you yeah. there? I know. So that was that I was virtual. I was in our broadcast facility in New York. Okay. And, and the backstory of this, this was January. This was New Year's Eve between 2020 and 2020. Yeah. This was the peak yeah. um, of lockdown in COVID where, you know, in LA, you really were only meant to leave your house for jobs, which is probably why you went to Snoop Dogg's compound. And Snoop wanted to uh, be, you know, start branding himself as like the new Dick Clark and like just, you know, taking over that amazing, you know, to tell the stories of a great New Year's Eve uh, live broadcast event. He was the host on the Go Big Show. Uh, we worked with TNT and the Go Big Show kind of helped fund this to mm. have a giant stunt uh, where we built you know, this huge swimming pool, put a sword swallower in the back of Snoop Dogg's compound. Yeah. And then put DJs in each different room of Snoop Dogg's compound and organized uh, while everyone's at lockdown, bringing joy to people. And Snoop threw the biggest virtual New Year's Eve party you possibly could with, you know, anyone from uh, Mike Tyson to pharrell and like all his friends showing up having a smoke with him having a drink um smoke indeed 
and then we kind of broadcast that out to our own tech platform and then uh to uh i think we also worked with cnn on that one so part of that oh yeah that's right snoop dialed into cnn that clip went viral they asked him uh you know they, they gave him a set of trivia questions of has he been high in different places before right has right high at the white house has and, he been high at the opera yeah. <laughs> and know? anderson cooper was just laughing his head off yeah uh and that clip went viral um that was a lot of fun that was a a partnership with um with cashmere originals jesse collins uh mm. and uh and, and turner and tnt and we this was like we had like five weeks or four weeks to put this thing together everyone was on lockdown i couldn't fly in because of that so i stayed in new york at our broadcast facility and helped fix oh that's an amazing achievement um because it's live you got fully one live. shot fully live yeah i, I saw the steady cam guy sweating yeah. his balls off oh that poor dude his no rehearsal no rehearsal no time yeah. for rehearsal we had those 20 different great. friends of snoop zooming in right mm. so while all that's happening at the compound we were running virtually green rooms for all his friends with pharrell with martha stewart you know with uh all of his folks just smoking weed and hanging out waiting to go live on camera with him did anything go and, wrong i mean the, the countdown <laughs> uh was pretty funny uh he counted he started counting down uh from 10 9 8 uh at for when it was four seconds to go we could just blame um, it on the broadcast uh delay it was fun and it was funny it was because it was just so live you know we we're like it was high too. the countdown <laughs> like let's go yeah that was that was a lot and it was in the spirit of it all you know it was yeah it was fun uh but no other than you know i i also don't really see that as something gone wrong i see that as something that's gone right like right that, like that was just it was in the tone and in the spirit it was it was awesome one of my favorite moments when you guys are doing those kinds of giant broadcast events it, um take us through the, like the the software and stuff is it sure. like what are these programs called because they don't teach this stuff <laughs> I, we built a lot of the tech and oh. the a lot of a lot of uh what happened during COVID is again the fact that everyone stuck at home you know you had to create broadcast based events and when you're doing a broadcast event in television you've got broadcast standards and it's generally pretty static environment started in you know as television black and white television they introduced color to it and again it's a static dealing environment so you put your netflix show on and then you get that uh what the tech that we built and what we kind of specialize in is interactive broadcast. So the ability for you to sign in, have your ticket to this experience, have a community in there, like a live chat, be able to browse multiple rooms, be able to throw different messages up on screen and do all of that in a really high quality, um, engaging way. And that's been the story of Little Cinema Digital. That's, you know, we built our own software. Um, oh, we built our own virtual tech. It's fully oh, brandable. Yep, we, br we brand it. We change the way it looks each time to the story we try and tell. We can plug multiple cameras and multiple inputs and multiple feeds. 
we've translated that now to 14 different languages. We've run events in Japan, in Indonesia, in France, in Latin America. Wow. Uh, we're working with Netflix, with Amazon, uh, Paramount, CBS, Warner Media. Um, and um, yeah, that's a, a big part of what we do and how we've scaled with kind of building virtual tech. I'm stunned. I, I figured that kind of software and hardware already existed because we've seen those kinds of events are before. But wow, you built it. We built mechanisms of it, right? So you've had broadcast facilities, you've had software like vMix that allowed you to kind of do live streams, you could then take these, you know, your show and broadcast it out to YouTube. YouTube existed, broadcast tools existed, the tech that we built uh, allowed you to brand the experience, to add community, to add your own private chat, your own private wow. audience that comes in and signs out, and then integrate that with different, a game engine that we have, uh, AR photo booths, a whole bunch of other tools for kind of or experiences on the internet. We're about to launch. So no, this is a tool that we keep in house. And this has oh. been our like bread and butter our secret weapon that we've been designing a lot of different experiences wow. and uh, we're planning to start opening up that sandbox for other people to play in probably inscription based. Um, yeah. Like allow other creators to, to go in and, 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 and create their own version. Okay. Does it have a name? Uh, we've got a work in progress name, uh, <laughs> so we're calling it backstage for now. Um, okay. Yeah, and uh, and then that would you know really allow people that don't have the tech infrastructure to go up and spin up any live stream interactive branded event that they want. That's amazing. You got your own team of coders and just tech wizards. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, early in the pandemic, when March hit, March 2020, uh, now it's pretty hard to find engineers. March 2020, a lot of people just panicked and laid off a lot of talent, and we felt pretty bullish and were able to snatch up some really talented folk um, and nice. just to keep them happy. So Nice. Yeah. I've been, like, really fortunate with, like, working with you guys because um, that was, like, probably the early days of, like, shooting like big talent, like big stars, um, Snoop, Janelle Monet, and um, Leslie Odom. Yeah. And oh, you were there for Leslie as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Okay. Nice. I think that may have been the first time I met you. No, no, it was Janelle Monet. We met at Janelle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, I just saw this young kid in the background. I was like, who, who is this guy? Yeah. It's probably like a, another PA from college or something. <laughs> And it turns out to be, uh, you know, the creator of a uh, little cinema from New York. And, you know, I'm, I'm like really grateful because that really helped me look good with my website and able to attract more work. Yeah, so the, that was great. Portrait of Janelle um, Monet is everywhere was yes. one of the first during pandemic new images of her. And that's been kind of spreading everywhere. And part of what we did is we designed her studio to look like this beautiful record library. So we did. Yeah, I thought that was like her actual like record room, like her memorabilia room. And then I found out you guys like rented or bought like 10,000 vinyl records records, and and like put them all in there. 
So yeah, that that was her studio, and she I think she just moved into that place at the time, uh, yeah. and it was you know it wasn't that interesting. And this was a commission by Amazon for us to shoot a song for an Oscar nominate that was nominated for the Oscars for called Turntables. Yeah. Turntables. Part of the theme uh, that we wanted to to do, and the creative came from Jamel McWilliams, her creative director. He he envisioned her going in and like you know every time a new instrument comes in she puts on a new record so we got like six different turntables and choreographed her to you know start commanding all these turntables uh as she's introducing her choir her drums etc so our production designer darcy scanlon got really inspired started digging all these you know japanese record bars and record libraries and they loved it so we you know production design uh we changed that studio into this beautiful record library with plants and turntables and she loved it so much she wanted to keep it so we i we heard you guys it. talk about that yeah <laughs> and, and you guys were like uh we we rented this stuff i don't I, I don't i don't know we had to return the records and then we had to send some pas and to go back and purchase uh, a whole bunch of records and staff that for her wow but she was awesome to work with and yeah. her team was awesome to work with. And, you know, that was, that was also pretty wild, right? Like that was during the January 6th. Yeah. We got to watch the Capitol insurrection from, yeah. from her place. Uh, and also it was weird times. Like we, we weren't allowed to shoot with any, but we had to, I think only the steady cam off. All of us had to be like outside of the room with monitors. Yeah. It was still very, it was tight. It, it was tight and like, you know, no one really felt comfortable. Like COVID was still raging and uh, a lot of, a lot of uncertainties. This was pre-vaccines. Um, I gotta say um, out of all my photo shoots so far, I, I think that's my favorite. I mean, it sounds like a movie because when I got there, I, I think you told me like, you may not get in there, Billy. It's, it's a tight space. It's a steady cam. And I was kind of like, all right, well, I'll I'll just, I'll just shoot BTS then. And then I think I asked you again or something. We had to send you in. We had to go in and we had to say, Hey, we have Billy here. Right. It's only one, only one person was allowed to be in with her at the time because of COVID and we had to air the room out. So I wasn't able to be in there in the shoot. No one was, we had to go in, we had to air the room out. And we had to say, hey, Miss Monet, we have our photographer here. Right. Would it be possible to get some kind of current shots with you in the space, given all this work that you've done? And yeah, I love telling that story. And uh, her, her manager, Kelly, was there. Oh, that's who was, right. Yeah. Who was such a pro. And um, Jay, I was like really nervous, man. <laughs> I Because I, I, I was like, at first you told me like, I can't go in there. I was like, oh, OK, fine. That's fine. And then I was like. And maybe I will go in there. And now I'm like, maybe I don't want to go in there because I'm, I'm so nervous and I only have a few seconds. Kelly turned to me and said, well, how much time, how long would it take? I just, I said, I just need 60 seconds. I'll be fast. It's my favorite photo shoot because you guys were cool enough to clear the room. Uh, Janelle Monet came in looking glamorous and we started shooting her and I was she can't see all the sweat marks thank god because you know you got to wear show black and then (laughs) it was a good fast shoot and um and i said thank you and then i just ran out and the lights were by the pool 
all the most of the lights were by the pool's yeah. edge which is you know if people saw that it'd be kind of scary but and then i didn't want to get in anyone's way so i ran all the way around the pool went to craft services dropped on my ass and just tilted my head back in relief and then as soon as that happened i heard someone shout out my name billy billy and i thought oh no my first reaction was i'm fired what the hell did i do or did i leave something in the room so i run back inside to to my shock um kelly and janelle wanted me to take more photos and i was like sure yeah whatever you want and it took another like a few minutes i mean the first one lasted like a minute wow. like i promised it would and then we took more shots and i got to director she was like she was like very social very like gregarious and she was like what else can we try and i said well i liked it when you put your hand out like that in the music video and then can you just hold that with the mic in your other hand so it was kind of like this i actually printed and framed it and then uh <laughs> um i kind of like did more shots with her sitting standing on the couch um the reason why it's my favorite photo shoot is because she was asking me questions no one's ever done that before like why would a movie star give a shit kind of thing you know she was asking like how's your new year going like are you guys getting enough work during this pandemic yeah. uh, like where are you from it's like i was like and i did one of those like well, there's no she's she must be talking to me it's this can't be happening so i was like yeah it's been good i mean this this has been great i mean this is a very lucky job and and then you know we were done and then um I left and it was great. It was a great night. So um, I know guys like us, we trigger like bad memories of like paparazzi. And I mean, I can't do anything about it, but all I can do is like, just be a fly on the wall when it comes to film sets. So it, it was, it yeah. was fun. I never actually heard the backstory of that. I was outside, you know, waiting <laughs> for this to finish. Hard. I will say she's a very, uh, She's a very graceful, uh, you know, charismatic and, and quite empathetic person. Uh, and also, yeah. it was a moment in time, right? Like, you shot, that photo of her ended up being everywhere. She was doing an image rebrand. She just cut her hair. She had the hat. Like, she was doing, like, a new look. And I did not know that. You happened to be there at the right time mm. with the right vibe. And uh, yeah, then it was kind of quite amazing to see just that new image spread everywhere and, you know, the yeah. background and yeah, it, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great photo. Anyone has. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you uh, hinted that on that day. Cause uh, you said it's going to get published somewhere, somehow. I was like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Great. And then ended up on the Hollywood reporter cover, which I bought. <laughs> really? Yeah. I didn't even realize. Well. <laughs> you didn't know. I didn't realize it made the cover of Hollywood Reporter. I oh, want to dude, had I that. known it was going to be on a cover, dude, I would have charged so much more. <laughs> but you know what? I get it. I'm like new at this. That's not the point. The point is, it was very meaningful to my parents when I got to buy that magazine. I didn't, didn't realize he actually even directed that and just told her to put her hand in the mic like that. That's yeah. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh, my God, is she going to yell at me for directing at her? I was like, please don't, please don't. But I just said, yeah, that hand was cool if you just if you just did that. And then um, but I bought two copies of that magazine, Jay, and I gave one to my parents and I kept the other one. 
and uh yeah they also used different images from that set for like when she uh streamed as a guest on colbert show um and some other stuff uh i, I don't i can't remember if you find another copy i'll i'll i'll, I'll buy it all i'll buy the third copy if you can find it off you that's uh I never realized it made that cover. That's that's amazing. The other side of the pandemic is it was a black swan that just kind of wiped the world, you know, clean for a second and allowed mm -hmm. random events to happen and take place and also have kind of openings for a variety of different underdogs to like Little Cinema and Billy Moon at Janelle Monáe's house during the Capitol insurrection doing a photo shoot. I still can't believe that happened. I remember also being there with Janelle and Kelly and like looking at the news and just, yeah. And especially because Janelle was, you know, um, all this, in that, the doc, the doc, that's right. All in the fight for democracy. That's the doc that she wrote the song for. So while we're shooting this of all in the fight for democracy, you're basically at the capital insurrection. Yeah, it, it was wild. It was really wild. And I see they actually uploaded the film clip to Prime Video. Um, so if anybody mm -hmm. types in Janelle Monet performs turntables for all in the fight for democracy, you can, uh, you can see the shoot that we're talking about. It's on YouTube. Yeah, it's actually a great video for, for one shot kind of thing. We had one shot. We had, I think, one week to come up with the creative and produce this um, oh and then we had about two days to turn around the final the final edit with the color and everything like that um and amazon paid for the whole thing uploaded amazon paid for the whole thing yeah amazon were uh i don't think they realized they actually kind of booked us to run their whole four-year consideration campaign so using our tech yeah. we built a virtual event space a virtual cinema a virtual theater that housed all their awards campaigning and this performance was captured to go in to to be a live performance for their um for their awards so people can vote this into the oscars um and it yeah. ended up just being so successful that she loved it they loved it and they ended up you know coming up with so many more use cases and releases for it but um the next day, you guys shot Leslie Odom on stage uh, near your HQ, right? The day before. The day before? Yeah. Was it? Oh, well. It's in the past. Yeah, it was a stressful, it was a big week. It was the beginning of 2021. It was Snoop Dogg was snoop dog was that was new year's December. Eve that was day new year's. The leslie odom jr i think was four days later the five yeah four days later janelle was the following right. day and then two days later we had to turn everything around and upload it to our platform and get it all approved yeah leslie odom was was amazing um i know you guys that audio sounded really good the way you guys set it up and then i think he it was his decision to actually sing it live on camera and it sounded yeah, yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. yeah well leslie Adam jr is one amazing performer um, yeah, he really yeah. is yeah no we've been lucky we've i mean it's amazing it is amazing when you work with 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 big talent to actually see you know to, to see to see their talent come to life like him janelle is snoop dogg you know it's, when you turn the cameras and the lights on them, they, you know, uh, they're, they're definitely stars for a, re for a reason. Yeah. 
such pros like i know in films like big talent can have final say so unlike uh like all the posters or sometimes the final cut did that ever happen with you guys you know leslie odom jr was in the editing room with us he actually he you know the zoom editing room we loaded up uh we had fast turnaround uh his manager you know we had a good relationship with him so he actually zoomed in to three hours of editing sections and 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 kind of helped us also creative you know kind of like saw a mistake and he's like oh the steadicam guy kind of walks and he's like don't cut that out leave that in that shows that it's all live you know so he was kind of chiming in creative interesting uh and green lighting the edit as we were going through it which was great um and janelle no conflict no he was i mean it was he pretty smooth yeah he's he's a really he's a really really great guy um and it was great to just see him get that involved and you know invest the hours into actually like working with us and our editors with you know a live zoom screen recording with the editor uh and janelle Monet was also you know also like the we had to the amount of detail we had to do with like her sound person and work fast and they definitely take their image and their art form very seriously. What's next for you, Jay? You want to like make the Oscars? <laughs> what would be the cream of the crop after that, though? What What would you do? It'd be you really know, cool, if, right? If they hired you for the Oscars. For the Oscars, the Oscars would be pretty cool. That would be a very fun game. Yes. Yeah. We would definitely try and do it as differently as <laughs> as we can. Maybe not live. No, we love live. We love live. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if they love live from this one. I don't know if they love live after this one. No, I agree. Uh, That kind of, that on one hand, you'd say backfired. On the other hand, made a lot of, you know, a lot of people also talk about it. A lot of chatter. Yeah. Uh, That would be amazing. Honestly, that would be, you know, it's a journey. I kind of keep reminding people about it. It's definitely not, you know, the destination, not the Oscars. The destination is, you know, keep finding the Oscars or whatever it is and, you know, enjoy that process and move on to the next one. Well, I'm glad you think that way because I figured like sometimes when you get the final prize of what's on your bucket list, it may not be so joyful. And then you got to feel like what's next for me. I am afraid of that. One of my favorite quotes, and it's really awesome, author Amos Oz, it's a little dark, but it's great. And he said, uh, with every realization of a dream comes a taste of bitterness. Yeah. And, you know, it's realizing that once you climb a mountain, you know, you then walk down. It's really about enjoying the walk up, enjoying the view from the mountain, enjoying the walk down, finding another mountain, walking up it. It's yeah. It's not about the destination. It's it's the destination's a goalpost. Uh, but if you can't enjoy the work, it's not about that Instagram <laughs> selfie that you've reached the a, top. No, no uh, that that will just disperse within seconds. Well, and let's get to know you in in our uh, as we kind of come down to a close here. Sure. <laughs> Do you? What are you afraid of? I don't know. I think I'm, I, honestly, I'm a pretty naive person, so I don't I don't live in that much fear. Um, oh, good. Yeah, I kind of started still photography maybe four years ago, five years ago or something. I do have this fear that 
years later, maybe even a month later or something, what if I fall out of love with it? And then I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. So maybe I'll just keep doing it, even though I resent it, just to kind of mask that sad epiphany or something. I don't, I don't know. It's kind of like a, a filmmaker, like starting a feature. Yeah, that's well, that's a, you're talking. I mean, what you're describing is kind of writers or creative block. And that's a real thing. I think that happens for a lot of creatives of all fields of, you know, you're to be, to be in any creative field, you're, you're, it's never easy. It comes with a lot of passion. No. You know, what happens yeah. passion goes, what you're describing, right. You might, stop loving photography but you'll fall in love in cooking or you'll fall in love with painting or you know the passion just moves into the, a different medium or different art form and honestly that's pretty exciting but you don't uh, feel that way about what you do no i mean my my passions you know ebb and flow like music was my number one passion i started as a dj I, I always wanted to be a musician i was never good enough on guitar and anything like that and i actually then found um I found a much stronger foothold in taking other people's music yeah. records and remixing, remixing, re remixing them and, and mixing them and playing them out and, and loving that whole art form. Um, then that kind of, you know, I, I learned from that and, and took that into like little cinema and started just treating different art forms and different disciplines as records and mixing and collecting and doing all that stuff. And now I barely DJ out anymore, but you know, I'm finding running a, what's that? You miss it? I do. I, I was actually eyeing out my turntables. I think I'm going to kind of have a little wiki wiki scratch jam tonight. Uh, I Damn. do miss it. Good I do for you. It. I don't know how you have the time, but good for you. I don't that much, you know, but it <laughs> just moved into something else. And I, you're, you're the, the fear of, of waking up into nothingness, you know, into like a lack of passion. That's lucky enough. I haven't felt that fear and I've been waking up with a big, big passion in my belly every morning. Um, I think sadly, none of us can control that. Yeah. Right? That's just, it's, it's either the hunger, the hunger. It's yeah. Are you, are you in a relationship? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Very loving relationship. I've got a partner of seven years, Katie Morabito. She, uh, she works with seven. me. Yeah. Seven years. Yeah. That is my dream, man. <laughs> I like I'm happily single right now, but like I said, I'm scared of doing it again because it just, just doesn't stick. I look at Chris Nolan and his wife who else works with each other. Uh, uh, Maybe Christopher McQuarrie and his wife. Buzz Lerman works with his wife, uh, the production yeah, designer, yeah. Uh, the costume designer. Uh, yeah, who's won like four Oscars already. Yeah. That looks like the end game for me. You know, I think we all know that you should never work with your partner. Disaster will strike. But one out of a million, maybe you guys just jive together so damn well. In life, I think you, you get lucky a lot of times. And, and, and that luck is finding a, a passion like photography for you. Um, yeah. Or, you know, and it's also getting lucky finding your loved ones. There's a lot of people that aren't in loving relationships or don't, you know, get, 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 get the cross paths with the right person. I always think I cross paths with the right person, Jay. And then it just doesn't <laughs> like uh, end up well, man. It's just like, uh, man, there's a, a nightmare. But I mean, good for you, man. That's, that's, a, that's a hard find. I mean, to be romantically and professionally uh partnered up together i think 
that's that's just fucking awesome i would love to be in that position too it's 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 a hard find i feel very lucky i will say i do feel very lucky uh katie's also extremely passionate about little cinema and doing amazing work and and, and definitely compliments uh in a lot of a lot of areas um and it does give us the freedom as a couple to you know have the same work for the same company uh from a lifestyle standpoint whether you need to work late that night or whether you need to take time off or anything like that it's uh it's easier to negotiate your life around and it's that kind of one company you're pointing into you got to give me more like how, how do you guys like stay together without conflict of work and real life i mean do you, you guys have the same mind no, you just resolve conflict. It's about communication. It's not, you know. It's, hey, man, it's, it's, I communicate really well, man. <laughs> and it's just, it just doesn't work out for me. And I don't know what to do. They just leave me, Jay. Ugh. That happens. Not going to lie. That happens. It hasn't happened to you in seven years. Of course it does. No, you, you have conflict. You just resolve it. It's, it's, it's part of life. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, from my little experience, I think falling in love is easy. It's maturity. That is the key to solving most things. Just listening and just being anti-prideful. Wow. Good for you. I mean, I, I love what I do and I think I would love it even more if I had a romantic and professional partner who is also a shooter or does all the tech stuff. Like if we can be together doing what we love not arguing and being creative like you guys are i mean i think i've met someone like that but it's i mean we're wildly different we don't have to get into details publicly you know it's accepting right it's accepting that you probably will argue it's accepting that you guys are human it's i wait for it yeah it's it's (laughs) all the time man i wait for it and i always lose jay you know i don't win I present a list of my reasons like a prosecutor. I don't win. They win. They always win. They always win. Do you hear me? Uh, everyone's a winner. It's it's and and especially and and you you gotta you gotta let them win. Thank you so much for this. Um, you're you're supremely busy. I hope we work together again. It sounds like Little Cinema is still like making you feel alive as it first did and i imagine you'll be doing this for at least the next 30 or 500 years so you got a good team man i i loved all the men and women that i met through you guys so like uh, alex jenna um some of the other folks um couldn't remember them because of their masks but uh, (laughs) congratulations and um yeah man i hope you do the oscars We'll, we'll invite you over to shoot when we do that. We'll get, invite get you that, over uh, to shoot. That yeah. high budget, baby, like two hundred million dollars is your estimate. I, I, I think half that, of that goes to the catering. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll definitely call you to shoot the Oscars uh, when 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 we land that gig, Billy. And I think uh, you can probably bring in your then wife, uh, photographer, and sidekick to uh, wow come help help shoot that experience. That would be tremendously exciting. Thank you. All right, Jay. Well, thanks a bunch. And uh, I'd say good luck. I don't think you need it. And uh, let's let's talk soon. Appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Billy, and uh, getting a chance to share this story. Um, looking forward to crossing paths more in the future. Thank you. All right, man. See ya. Okay.